Mark Steele has given the past 36 years of his life to the Indian River School District. Fresh out of college in the fall of 1981, he was hired as a math and physics teacher at his alma mater, Indian River High School. He would serve in that role for 10 years before becoming the school's assistant principal in October of 1991. Mr. Steele was promoted to Indian River High School principal in 1999 and held that position for the next 14 years. In 2013, he moved to the district office to assume the role of assistant superintendent, but bigger things were still on the horizon for Mr. Steele. When Dr. Susan Bunning left the district to become Delaware's Secretary of Education in January 2017, Mark was appointed interim superintendent by the Board of Education. The interim tag didn't last long, however, because on March 27th, he was named the district's permanent superintendent and given a two-year contract effective through June 30th, 2019. Mr. Steele's first six months as superintendent have been eventful, to say the least. In a moment, I'll sit down with Mark to discuss the district's recent challenges along with his career in education and his plans for the future. I'm Dave Mall, and this is the IRSD Spotlight. Welcome back. Joining me is the new superintendent of the Indian River School District, Mr. Mark Steele. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dave. Uh, first of all, congratulations on being named district superintendent. That has to be a huge honor for you. You know, it is. Uh, you know, starting off as a teacher in the district and working my way, you know, through the administrative ranks, um, certainly did not expect to be in this position. Um, I really never expected to go beyond teaching at one point and then kind of stretched a little beyond and didn't want to go beyond being the principal and then things stretched a little more well I don't want to go beyond being an assistant superintendent and then before you know it here I am you are the sixth person to serve as superintendent since the formation of the Indian River School District in 1969 and I guess it's safe to say you've had a bit of a trial by fire since coming becoming superintendent back in January um, can you talk about some of the challenges you faced in the last six months well challenge number one you know coming coming off uh, you know a, a failed referendum in November and and having to regroup and really not having the option of doing anything other than passing the referendum the second time. So yeah, the stakes were high that second. Extremely time, right? high. It, yeah. it was do or die basically, yeah. and and you know that was seven point three five million dollars that we desperately needed in local yeah. funds. So you know right out of the bat, the first thing was to plan a strategy on what is the best way to pass this referendum. In order to do that, it took an immense amount of time, you know, to go out in the community to answer people's question, try to be transparent. And, you know, you couple that with the fact that the state was going through budget cuts at the same time, and what you were hoping to get referendum-wise was starting to get cut, basically because of state give back. And it was becoming, you know, a little more complicated in how are we going to survive this. And that was, I know, we had passed the referendum, and then it was about three weeks later we got word on the budget cuts, and that's taken us up until just, you know, about a week or so ago um, when the budget was finally passed. But can you talk about that budget cut aspect of it a little bit, too? Because that was a really big deal. Yeah, well, through the, the referendum between the first and the second referendum, we knew there was, there was something coming on the state end. And our superintendent group for the state had, had kept us informed. 
we were looking at you know that that percentage about a 1.2 million dollar cut for our district we really thought that was what we were going to see uh, about a 1.25 cut uh, however that 15 million very quickly turned into a 22 million ed sustainment cut which not only is the fact that of that 22 million our portion was 2 million but the timing and the cash flow that that ed sustainment provides the district was going to be a huge burden on hiring people, uh, teachers, paraprofessionals, administrators, uh, and just about any any employment status that we have in our district. So that was that was a huge concern, and right up to the point now where uh, the ed sustainment was was changed at the last minute to only be an eleven million dollar reduction. Uh, that added another eight hundred and some thousand dollars to our budget. So the 1.2 that we had counted on state cutting, uh, the the additional 800,000 from the 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 um, sustainment cut puts us at about two million. Um, you know, some of that we have planned for. However, the 1.2 million we already sort of had our plan on that give back. The 800,000 we did not. So we're, we're, we're formulating plans as we speak on how we're going to take care of that give back. So it's going to be a, a tight budget year coming up for the for the district basically yeah this was going to be a tight year no matter how you cut it Mm -hmm. you know we we have some textbook payments that need to be made um you know we were able to rework our contracts with our employees uh really helped us at one point we were looking 12 13 million dollars down if the referendum didn't pass we were able to make budget reductions across the board we were able to pass the referendum we were able to renegotiate a contract with the employees and with the reductions in the budget that we did and everything together, we, we got ourselves back up to where we were above water. With the textbook uh, bills that we have coming in, you know, to get us through this next year, we knew if we could get through this coming year, 17-18, uh, then we really feel that the following year we're going to be able to really start to build the reserves up at a pretty good pace. Mm-hmm. And over the two years following next year, we think we can be up to six, seven million in reserves. Yeah, it's been a been an interesting few months, that's for sure. Um, now, what has it been like to replace someone as respected as Susan Bunning, uh, who gave about forty years of her life to the school district, ten of which, the last ten of which, as superintendent? What's that been like for you to replace somebody like Susan? Uh, awful, awful big shoes to fill. <laughs> yeah, Susan and I have gone back a long time, probably forty years, and you know, I taught her kids. You know, when I was a teacher, so we've we've known each other and. You know, as I went through the administrative ranks, we, we've always worked together very closely, particularly when she was a director of instruction. And I would have to say this. I had, uh, nobody could ever look at Susan Bunning uh, without saying that she is perhaps the absolute best instructional person I've ever known. And you look at our district, you look at what that's done, and that is an incredible feat of what she's been able to produce in you know a district as far south in Delaware as you're going to get when we compare against districts all over the state including private schools and charter schools and we are very competitive we always have been so I think the scary part is you know I was just the opposite her strength was instruction my strength was operations so we're polar opposites when it comes to experience of what we've done and how we've done it so my biggest task is you know I've got to find a way to really make sure that our instructional side stays as strong, if not stronger, than what it was when Susan was here. 
Now, you still talk to her quite a bit, right? Oh, at least twice a week. <laughs> twice a week, at least. <laughs> Let's go back to the beginning. Uh, you're a 1977 graduate of Indian River High School. Now, where did life take you after that? Well, I kind of knew when I hit my, my junior year, I wanted to be a math teacher. My my older brother, Ray, had gone through, and I and I saw how much he loved it. And, you know, I kind of, in the back of my mind, was like everybody else. I was a football player. I wanted to coach. So I knew I wanted to go, you know, into education. And uh, that's that's come, I, I kind of mirrored him. I was strong in math, so I went to get a math degree to be a math teacher. You went to Salisbury State, correct? Yep, Salisbury yeah. University. Now, you... Had you even graduated by the time you started teaching at Indian River? Because I know it was 1980 or 81. You got a job right right out of right out of college, correct? Yeah, I I went to Indian River in the off years uh, or during my college years. I would actually substitute teach, you know, to help pay for my college. And during the senior year of um, college, I was in the middle of doing my student teaching. I had done one seven week session at Laurel High School going to go to Berlin Intermediate School uh, for my next seven-month session. One of the teachers at Indian River back then was involved in a car accident, and they did not think he would be back for the remainder of the year. So I got a call from Dr. Everett Toomey, wanted to know if I would be able to fill in in a student-teacher capacity. And I said, I would love to do that. Uh, However, he had to work it out with SSU, which he did. So I was able to do my student teaching and finish the year there at Indian River High School uh, which was kind of neat because they had the opportunity to see me in action for about seven, eight weeks uh, before you know hiring. And I had, in fact, you know, during the very, very end of my student teaching, was uh, interviewed by Dr. Toomey and uh, Mr. Graham Deal, and um, you know they they wanted me to stay with the district. They kind of thought I was going to leave and go to Laurel because Laurel had been in contact with me, but I really, my heart was at Indian River, so when I had that opportunity, I jumped at it. So that was in September of 81, you were permanently on the staff? Yes, I was. Now, what was that like? You had only been out of school for four years. What was it like to come back as a permanent staff member just a few years after being a student there? It takes about three years to talk to your colleagues on a first-name basis <laughs> because you're These so... These teachers that you you're, had. You're so, you're so you know, entrenched into, you know, Mr. Truitt, Mr. Yoder, uh, yeah. Miss Mary, and, and you're just so entrenched in those those names because that's that was the respect you had for those people when you went through. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, don't call me Miss Mary, call me Martha. Don't yeah. call me Bunky Truitt, call me uh, Bunky. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you know, it just took a little getting used to. Yeah. And it happened fairly quickly. Yeah. Do you have fond memories of your time in the classroom? You did that about 10 oh, years. Uh, nine years, nine years. Nine absolutely. Years. Absolutely loved it. Um, probably would have stayed longer. But I had, I had three kids, and, you know, I, it was important to me and my wife stay home with kids. Mm-hmm. So I was finding myself teaching during the day and doing extra jobs at night, you know, mm-hmm. teaching at James Groves High School, teaching math for the Sussex Board of Realtors, and trying to get my master's degree. And I decided at one point, even though I wasn't really interested in going into administration, that perhaps that would be a good career move. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And I've been doing this... Uh, administrative job now, I guess, for 27 years. Yeah. Now, you were when you were at Indian River, you were also uh, an assistant football coach. Yes, Indian I was. River, kind of during the glory years of the mid-'80s. They were, you know, won a lot of Southern Division championships, went to the finals a few times, and 
the head coach at that time was was Dale Steele, who still stands as the win, winningest coach in school history. What was it like to coach under Dale, to be an assistant? Well, a lot of people don't know. Was not related to Dale, but I knew <laughs> Dale because he was he was the same age as my sister. So when I was real little and my sister was high school age, you know, Dale and some of the friends, you know, they would come by the house sometimes and I would see him. So I've known him forever. But Dale was one of the best people you would ever want to be an assistant coach for because he allowed you to coach and make decisions. And in a lot of cases, that's not the case. But he was a, I thought he was a tremendous man. You know, he, he not only was a good football coach, but he tried to instill into kids that there's, there's more than just football. He had a saying, you know, when you get up in the morning, you have to look in the mirror and you have two people you have to answer to, yourself and God. Mm-hmm. So when you, you're getting ready to make a big decision, keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. And these are sort of things he would do. He'd send the boys over to watch, you know, a field hockey game for 15 minutes of practice mm-hmm. because he thought that was good for school spirit. Yeah. So he really taught me that there's more than just the game, particularly with high school kids. It, it, it's a community involvement, and he was really big on that. Yeah. Now, you guys, you told me one time that you would have um, coaches' meetings early, sun, really early Sunday mornings, getting ready for the next week. Dale had a tendency when we got a coaches' meeting that it would last forever, and <laughs> uh, we were all uh, Jim Lai, myself, Bashi, we we were all married, and and you know we had we had young children, so the weekends, you know, on Sundays you really wanted to spend it with your with your family and. You know, the wives were getting a little tired of it, I think. And we, uh, you know, they spoke and, and we listened and, and we, we kind of coached Dale to say, Dale, why don't we start this at, at 6 in the morning on Sunday? Knowing that at 1130, his wife, Linda, would make him get ready for church. Yeah. So our meetings went from about seven hours to about two and a half hours. <laughs> we had a table full of food and coffee and we got more work accomplished and had more success meeting for two and a half hours and then being with our families. Yeah. We, we really started being successful mm-hmm. once we, we took that path. Now, I want to go, I, I, wanna, I want you to tell a story that you once told me because I find it interesting. It's, let's go back to the 88 championship game. Now, this is, a, this is the game, this is the year that Indian River won the state championship for the first time. They'd been there three times before and lost in the finals. And there's a key moment in that game, and you've told me this story, that it was early in the fourth quarter, Indian River was behind 7-6, to six. it wasn't looking too good, kind of backed up in your own end, and then a key play kind of broke that game open. Tell yeah. us about that. And you uh, called the play, if I'm not Yeah, we, we, I was upstairs. Um, <laughs> Dale had moved me upstairs over the last uh, three or four games, and all the tournament games, because I knew the offense, and I could make the play calls from up there to him that I thought would work. Well, we knew that Dickinson High School, we knew, uh, then Anthony Anderson, number 32, was their best offensive defensive player. They were undefeated. They were 11-0 going to state championship game. We knew that if they got a lead, they would start blitzing him almost every play from a free safety position. So we had put in an audible play for a pop pass to Jesse Steele. And a couple plays before, Jesse and Anderson had a head-on collision on a kickoff. And I, to this day, I swear Jesse had to have a concussion. Because sometimes when I talk about this, he doesn't even remember making a, a, a very important catch. But we saw Anderson come to the line. I started yelling um, the code, the audible, over the headphone. Dale related to the field. We threw a quick pop pass. Of course, Anderson was not there where he would normally would have been. Jesse catches it for about a 70-yard gain. Actually scored a touchdown. Uh, but we had a penalty right down near the goal line for a cross, and they backed it up to the 15, and we scored the very next play. Yeah. And so then, it was a and huge then was, play. And there was a block punt right after that that you guys scored block on. Block punt, that much scored, and we really, we really, 
deflated Dickinson at that point. We yeah. really took the total control of the momentum and, yeah. and remained that way for the entire game. That was a big deal. I know Dale finally getting that state championship was a, was a very big deal. Yeah, he worked school. very hard for that. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's interesting, too, that, you know, Indian River's other state championship, which came in 2011, your brother Ray was the head coach, so you've had a lot of involvement in that. Yeah, that, that, was, <laughs> that was interesting. And, uh, you know, one of the things we did there, I was on headphones upstairs, believe it yeah. or not. I wasn't supposed to be, but I was. <laughs> and, you know, I, generally what we would do is just you know, talk to either Mike Norton or Paul Kometz, you know, depend on offense or defense and let them know what formations the other people were doing, how they were shifting to our formations. So we may throw a formation that looks like a strong left and run the ball right. Yeah. You know, try to catch them, you know, not prepared. Let's get back to your classroom. After, you know, you've been nine years in the classroom and you move over to, to be an assistant principal. And you said that really wasn't one of your long-range goals. What, no. what kind of adjustment was that, though, when you went from the classroom to being an assistant principal? That's when I had to, I, I really came up with, with a motto, and I, and I learned very quickly. And a friend of mine had told me that, you know, you have to realize that you've made a lot of friends in that building. You have a lot of people, friends with everybody, but now you're a supervisor of all those people. And you know, a person told me, remember one thing, it's not personal, it's business. And you have to make sure you relay that to the people. That was tricky at first. That was very, very tricky in, in making sure because there were times when, you know, you had to, you know, talk to a teacher, discipline a teacher, you know, do some type of corrective action. And I didn't back down on it. And I would always remind that person if I, you know, we're friends with them, you realize, you know, our friendship's not affected by this, but this is business and this is the way it has to be in this building. Yeah. Now you did that for about seven years and then you became the nine principal. Years, actually not, nine years. Nine years. <laughs> and you became principal and you were principal for 14 years. What was there an aspect of the principal's job that you enjoyed the most in all those years? Absolutely, I just love the job itself. Yeah, you had, and, and I would, I, I'm going to say this: if I had to identify the the key most important positions in a school district, I would have to say it falls with a building principal because you control the environment, uh, you control the the learning atmosphere, and you know you can you can get to the point where you can rally the kids you know, and, and do things and perform feats that you normally may not be able to do, but using motivational factors and, and plans, and you can really make a huge, huge difference, yeah. you know, and I, that's the one job that I was surprised I left, to be quite honest, because I enjoyed that job with a passion. One of the unique experiences you had when you were a principal was working with your brother Ray because he was on the staff as a math teacher there, and for a while he was even your assistant principal. For he was. What, what was that like? It was. It was. It was kind of interesting. Back in 1999, uh, Lois Hobbs was here, and they had interviewed for the assistant assistant principal position. Um, I, I was in the interviews, but I removed myself from from Ray's interview because it wouldn't be right for me to mm -hmm. to you know be any part of that. And Lois thought uh, initially she didn't know if it was a good idea, but then she really thought. You know, you're so strong both in the community that I think this could be positive. And it was interesting. Yeah. Um, it probably led to an assistant principal not afraid to tell the principal you messed up, <laughs> uh, and, and you know, pretty clear terms. Yeah. Um, but it was good. They were they were some of our I think our finest years in Indian River. We had a very very tight discipline. The school environment was really good. Our instruction was good. And, and people were generally very, very happy mm -hmm. at, that, at that building. Never got an opportunity to hardly ever hire a new teacher. Yeah. If I had somebody leave, it's because of retirement. And if anybody, um, you know, if there's an opening, I always had somebody waiting in line who wanted to come to the building. People wanted to be there. Yeah. And that made that job much easier. 
Now, you already talked about this a little bit. Uh, your career kind of took a different path in 2013 um, when you came to the district office as the assistant superintendent after Gary Brittingham retired. And you mentioned you really liked being a principal. How hard of a decision was that to come to leave the school and come to the district office? I'd say the hardest thing I had to do that year was tell my staff. And you know, it brought me to tears when I did that, and, and it was a very hard decision. But you know, I had a long talk with my wife, and we, we looked at it, and we thought, you know, what's good? And, 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 and really, the, the pivotal point was, how many more years am I going to be an administrator? Am I going to work before I retire? That it would be beneficial to make the move. And I decided, if I could make that much of a difference in a building as a principal, why not give it a shot? on a district-wide status. So I struggled, you know, am I gonna be able to be, you know, green and gold and blue and gold, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. and I struggled at the beginning, and now, you know, when you walk in my office, I have both, you know, representatives of, of the, uh, you know, Indians, and I have uh, knights in my office. So now I have a good combination of both, and, I, and I've learned pretty quickly that, you know, it, it, district's just a name. A school is a school. And in our district, now it's easy to look at and say, hey, we're one district. We're not different schools. We're one district. Yeah. At that point in your career, did you also feel you might be ready for a new challenge, too? I mean, you'd been a principal for 14 years. Was it maybe time to, you know, kind of do something different, do you think? I think so. I think I had everything at the high school so, um, you know, so ingrained that it was easy. You know, my hiring practices, if I had former students who came back for jobs, I hired them because I knew they knew the system be a much easier way to train so we were able to keep a lot of the kids that went through so I, I got to the point where I told and that was one of the other points was you know going to the district level it's a new challenge it's a new thing you know this this gives me the opportunity to kind of spread my wings a little bit and, and go at a bigger scale and uh, you know it, it, it's worked out it's worked out fine how big of an adjustment was it at first I mean you've been in a school environment for a really long time and then you come into the district office and it's totally different how big of an adjustment was that for you at it was first? big yeah I can tell you when when I came down I think about the third day on the job I walked into uh, you know, dr. Susan Bunning's office and I sat down with her and I apologized to her and she she smiled and she said for what I said because I've spent all those years like most other principals you sit in your school and you know you can be sometimes critical of central office and you don't have a clue and for the last three days trust me I see what you all go through and I can tell you I need to apologize <laughs> and it was uh, it was a rather I would say by the time I started in July to January was just unbelievable yeah. lightning speed busy from you know the time you walk in until really the time you go to bed and and even before because you get up and do weather checks at four in the morning so it was it's interesting yeah it was an interesting adjustment now in january of this year dr bunning left the district to become delaware secretary of education which was a big big honor not just for this district but downstate you know in you know in particular and then you were promoted to the to the uh, superintendent's position. You've kind of talked a little bit about this. Did you ever, in your wildest dreams, see yourself being the superintendent of this district ever? No, no. I saw myself my next step after the assistant superintendent. It would have been retirement, yeah. uh, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. And I, I did not dream that would happen. Uh, you know, in the back of my mind, I always hoped Susan had that opportunity to be the secretary of education. To be quite honest, she she's probably one of the most well respected people. Uh, from the top to the bottom and the east west of the state of anybody you're going to see everybody knows susan she's highly respected and she deserves that opportunity and before it's all said and done she'll be one of the best we've had mm -hmm. on a personal note what what does it mean to you to be the superintendent of the district that you 
went to school in that you graduated from as a student? Oh, it means everything. This is my community. I was born here. I went to school here. Uh, everything I've done, I've tried to give back to the community. And, you know, on this scale, it is even bigger because, you know, instead of just 900 students at Indian River High School, now I have almost 11,000 students that, you know, decisions that I make are going to make an impact. And, you know, it's going to make not only an impact on those students, but it's going to make a huge impact on our community. And I think that's that's one of the biggest charges that I have. I really want to blend the school system and our community and make that much stronger than what it already is. That's the next thing I wanted to ask you. Since your first day on the job, you've basically said, I want to be a community superintendent. What exactly does that mean? How do you envision that, basically? Well, some of the steps when we came on, I knew we had a financial situation, so I knew right away you know, trust is going to be a big issue. Transparency is going to be a big issue. So when we went out for the uh, referendum meetings, I felt very strongly it needed to be my face people saw. And it needed to be my message of how I thought we could do that. So one of the first things I thought I needed to develop was a plan. And if you remember, a big part of that plan was revamping our policies, making sure they're, they're, they're current and, and they are good policies, that they will uh, you know, promote transparency for the taxpayer. Uh, I wanted to make sure that we had a community oversight budget committee. And as of tonight, or excuse me, as of Monday night at 6 o'clock, they will go through their training. Those people have been selected. We had over 36 people apply. Uh, we've got the committee intact. We've already had an initial meeting. Those people will be fully trained and we'll begin incorporating them into our uh, financial structure of the district. And they'll also have the opportunity to report out, you know, at board meetings and, uh, you know, what their recommendations may be. The other is strategic plan. And this is something I'd identified with Dr. Bunning even that, you know, one of the things I think sometimes we get so hung up, we're so busy is we kind of lose sight and we, we don't come out with a really good, strong district plan. And that plan can go, you know, it can be multifaceted. You can have, you know, something dealing with public relations. You can have something dealing with curriculum. You have something to do with finances, which are, are three big key elements. But I just think that with this strategic plan project, we need to listen to our stakeholders. We need to listen to teachers. We need to listen to administrators. We need to listen to kids, parents. Any district person, we have over 78,000 people in our district, and we would like to hear from everybody, you know, in, in doing surveys and getting prepped for this, so that we can identify what the community feels are our top priorities, what are our five or six top priorities, and we can develop action plans and set a seven-year plan up to mm -hmm. a, a, to attack those priorities. So you're looking at seven years, basically, down yeah. to what we where we want to be in seven years or what we want to accomplish. Yeah, this very very similar to what's called a middle states that yeah. we used to do at high schools. Yeah. And generally, 10 years used to be too much because you would have such a change over 10 years. By the time you got to year number 8, 9, and 10, in a lot of cases, you had some things that were just outdated. <laughs> yeah. So most of those organizations have cut it back five to seven years. I think for the first one, seven years is a good one to go. I think we stretch it to seven. Uh, we identify things in there, and we really take a seven-year snapshot of our budget. And we start to develop. If we're going to come back for our current expense sometime, then, then folks, this is, this is around the year to expect it. If we're going to do a major capital in the future, this is where we can expect it. This is what you can expect in terms of us being able to place money in reserves so that people have a really good understanding. And, you know, one of the biggest plans, Dave, we've talked about this before, is communication. That's key, and that's that's something I learned with the last referendum, 
that the normal ways to communicate the importance of a referendum and what it's based on, there now are mediums out there now that work much better than what would have worked just 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And you know, we were able to stumble on one, Facebook Live, which yeah. was an incredible, incredible thing for mm -hmm. us. And I think really led to our success. I think the, the social media aspect of this past referendum made it completely different from any other referendum I'd ever worked on personally. And yeah. you, like you talked about the Facebook Live and just the social media postings that were up there, some of which were negative at times. But, you know, it gave us an opportunity to get accurate information out there. That's what, you yeah. know, that, and I think that was important at times. And it was interesting that I thought we could actually, if we saw something on social media that was incorrect, we could correct it. We could post it and correct it right there. So it gave us a, a little opportunity to correct some misinformation that it was did. going on out there. And that's key. You know, yeah. we talk about transparency, we talk about trust. Mm -hmm. What's the easiest way, you know, to gain in both? And that is mm -hmm. you put out factual information to people mm -hmm. and they're going to soon trust what you say. And when you're transparent to the extent that they trust mm -hmm. what you say and they see you're transparent, they will be more supportive. Yeah. Since you've been on the job, do you feel you've had the community support so far in the last six months? I sure do. Um, what, what I found out is, is, is sort of surprised me. A lot of times if I'm out in the community on a weekend, sometimes people come up and start talking to me. And, you know, I have no idea who they may be. But they knew who I am because they, they were, I saw you on Facebook. You know, I really like what you said and, and, and things. So, you know, that, that sort of thing I think is a plus. Because with as many people as we have in our district, you know, there are key people in any school district that, that, that you need to know your representatives but knowing the superintendent of schools is important I mean people knew Susan Bunny and I want to make sure people know Mark Steele and I want them to know me as somebody that's going to listen for change and look for change and to make good decisions and to keep people informed on what's going on now last week you did something interesting um, you held a day-long training session for our Board of Education members all ten of our board members um, and I don't recall this ever being done before tell us a little bit about that and what the purpose of it was well you're right I don't think it ever has been done but in the in the four years that I've been you know going to board meetings and seeing how the board functions one of the things it wasn't just central office you know when we had the audit people looked at it, it was the board you know the board took some very hard shots you know, with that audit and through the referendum process. I just thought it was it's time that, that we, as a board, that, that we have the opportunity to know our community. So one of the first things I did was a, a complete review of the sociological survey of our district. So they know how many people, because I asked that question, how many people do we have in the Indian River School District? Some of them didn't know the exact number. You know, there are over 78,000 people. Uh, what's the ethnic breakdown? You know, what is the school breakdown and how does that compare to our community ethnic break, breakdown taking a look at age groups and for example going through the referendum I, I said this numerous times you know 30 31 percent of the people in our school district are age 60 and above well they didn't know that but if you want to really do a good job and make sure people inform you can use that that statistic and that can help you get information out in different ways you know to those folks so we, we went through that. We went through the strategic plan idea, and actually I presented the project to them. I asked for a vote on it this coming board meeting so that we can proceed with the strategic plan. We had the attorneys for the school district come in and do a review uh, of FOIA requests as well as uh, just boardsmanship, uh, exact session, when to go in exact session, when not, how to do everything so we don't get jammed up with someone voting who should not vote. Uh, we spent about two hours on the legal aspects of what their job is. 
we gave them a review of the curriculum uh, where we're headed we gave them a review of our teacher evaluation system just because you know if we have teachers that we you know release down to future and if, if we have to go in front of the board on an appeal they have some understanding of the tool that's used for evaluations mm -hmm. and you know a time at the end where we could discuss protocols on uh, contacting board members in certain events and some of the expectations the board has of me and that I have of the board yeah. and it went very well yeah. now it's been a whirlwind kind of since you took over as the superintendent in the right in the middle of last school year are you looking forward to kind of starting fresh in September with a new school year and moving forward like that? I, I am. You know, I've, I, I, in, the, in the last five months, I've had to learn uh, the evaluative system that's used for administrators, which was different from the operational side. So I've had to learn that process. And I, I have to say this. I have four directors. I have uh, Celeste Bunning, uh, Jay Owens, Luann Hudson, and our, our business person, who I can't say enough great things about, um, Jan Steele. And... You know, those four people have helped me immensely through this process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we closed the door to the office when we had to look at budget reductions and how we're going to do that. And we spent an awful lot of time together talking. And, you know, we, we, we sometimes weren't all in agreement, but we had a chance to voice our concerns. And then we reached a consensus and we moved on. But these four people were have been just unbelievably helpful in this transition. Well, there's one more thing I want to talk to you about before we wrap things up. Now, several of your members of the district office staff here were your former students, myself included, Luann Hudson, our curriculum director, Celeste Bunning, our personnel director, Cliff Toomey, our nutrition services director. What's it like working with so many people that you that were your students when you were a teacher? I can tell you, it makes me feel great because knowing that you have students who have worked to get to these positions and are also very active community members and, and think it's important. You know, it, it, it really, I would say, gives me a great sense of accomplishment. You know, these are the, the, these are kids, and even though you guys are all older, I still look at you and you know what y'all look like. Y'all look like, I can tell you where y'all sat in my classroom. I look at that, but you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm proud of every single person that I taught to look up and be able to see them every day. And, and Dave, you know, you and I work very closely, you know, with PR. And, you know, there are a lot of times and what we, we work on is confidential. But, you know, I can see the seriousness and, and I can still see the way you were, you know, with Clark Evans and Dave <laughs> and, 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 and uh, everybody in, in the physics classroom, class. In yeah. physics. And, and, and I can still go back and see that, but I now yeah. see how everybody has grown and everybody's turned into a true professional. And anytime you see the kids that you teach or the, the kids from a building when you're a principal, uh, go out and do great things, you know, it makes you proud because you, you feel like you were a help somewhere along the line and help getting in there. And that's 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 a good feeling. Yeah. Well, Mark, I really want to thank you for taking a few minutes out of your busy schedule. I know it's been crazy around here lately, and I really appreciate you uh, sitting down to talk with us today, and good luck in the new position. Thank you, Dave. IRSD Spotlight is produced by the Indian River School District. Episodes can be accessed through iTunes or by visiting irsd.net and going to the podcast link under the Discover IRSD tab. It is also available through several mobile podcast apps. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back soon with more great news and information from the Indian River School District. Until then, remember that Indian River truly is a model of excellence. <laughs>